Chapter 6, North and South The family arrived in Salt Lake City late in the afternoon on December 4th, 1973. For reasons they did not understand, they drove directly to Temple Square. They parked and slowly walked across the temple grounds, brightly lit with a million colorful lights. It was like walking through a frozen celestial kingdom, so bright, peaceful, and beautiful. A sweet spirit was there, and it warmed their souls after their long, mournful journey from the farm. Because of slick roads and car trouble, it had taken them several days, during which time they had slept two nights in the car and eaten all their meals in their laps. They knew no one in the city and had no concrete idea of where to go. They just assumed they would find an inexpensive motel or some other meager accommodation. Even though they had the big check, they did not they had not been able to cash it. It was drawn on a Idaho bank, and since they had no accounts in Utah, banks had refused to cash it for them. Consequently, they had been reduced to living on a few dollars they had scraped together before leaving the farm. The visitor center was still open, so they walked reverently into its vast foyer, savoring the warmth, peace, and richness of spirit there. They clustered together, almost as if afraid to be any distance apart. They moved as a group to the large paintings on the far wall. The life-size paintings of scenes from the life of Christ and were breathtaking. Good evening. They turned to see a white-haired man behind them. Jim shook the man's hand. My name is Elder Carlson. I'm the director of the Visitor Center. Welcome to Temple Square. Jim thanked him and was about to turn back to the paintings, but the man persisted. Have you had a long trip, he asked, an edge of hidden meaning in his voice. Laura joined Jim and shook Elder Carlson's hand as Jim introduced her. The kids continued to look at the beautiful paintings. They were soon out of sight. We just drove several days from Idaho, she told him. We don't have a hotel room yet, but several of the younger kids have never seen Temple Square at Christmas time, and we thought we and we wanted to visit before it closed. She wanted to apologize for their crumpled appearance, but she knew instinctively that the older gentleman hadn't noticed, or at least he didn't care. How did you know we'd been on a long trip? Jim asked. Brother Carlson smiled. Well, I didn't really. When you all came through the door, you just stood there as if you stepped foot on foreign soil and weren't quite sure what to do. That usually means that you're more than just visiting Temple Square. Usually means you are pilgrims, so to speak. What do you mean, pilgrims? Laura shoved her hands into her coat pockets as if subconsciously seeking protection from the answer she knew she was coming and didn't want to hear. Brother Carlson smiled and shrugged. It was so gentle and disarming that they all smiled. A pilgrim is usually someone coming from one place and going to another place that they have yet to determine. They are just traveling to an unspecified destination. Is it that obvious? Jim asked, looking around to see if someone else might have noticed. There was almost no one else in the building, only to those who chose to notice, the man answered. What brings you to Salt Lake? Brother Carlson motioned to a grouping of chairs and they all sat down. He pulled his chair around to face them and waited. Before long, they had told him the entire story. He listened carefully, nodding, frowning, and occasionally laughing. They really didn't know how long they had talked, but by the time they had finished, the custodians had locked the doors to the visitor center. Jim looked at his watch and realized with a start that it was 9 p.m. They had stayed over an hour past closing. Elder Carlson stood as, he, as a white-haired woman approached. He put his arm around her and introduced her as Sister Carlson, my bride. She shook Jim's hand and gave Laura a hug. Elder Carlson, she scolded, you have kept these good folks talking so long that they have missed supper. 
she put her arm around Laura's shoulder and walked her toward the elevator. Brother Carlson chuckled, and ignoring Jim's protest about needing to get along and finding a hotel room, he herded them into the elevator that descended one floor. They walked along the carpeted passageway until they arrived at a cafeteria. Only one table was occupied, and that was with the Mahoy's children. Before them was a mountain of food, and a rapidly that was rapidly getting smaller. Come, you've almost missed it. We already said the blessing. Sister Carlson insisted as she pulled out a chair for Laura. Brother and Sister Carlson started eating, and Jim and Laura joined them. It was hot and delicious, and they had forgotten how hungry they were. Sister Carlson disappeared into the kitchen and returned shortly with plates of pie and ice cream. Before long, it was all gone as well. When they were finished, Jim reached for his wallet, but Elder Carlson caught his arm. We have this wonderful arrangement. We are on a mission, you see, and run the visitor's center for the church. One of our little blessings is that every evening we come down here and eat our dinner. This is the staff cafeteria, and it's under the temple annex. The cafeteria cooks always leave out something nice. We have specific instructions to share it with anyone we like, so you needn't feel obligated to pay anything. You are our guests. Jim was about to express thanks and insisted they needed to leave, but Elder Carlson again placed his arm, his hand on his arm. Brother Mahoy, it's Christmas time, and every hotel in the motel in the city is booked to capacity. I knew, I know you are capable people and don't need any assistance caring for yourselves, but we are elderly and have no family nearby to share the Christmas season with. We have a large apartment and just a short distance from here, also provided by the visitor center. We have two extra bedrooms and no one to help decorate our Christmas tree. We were even considering not putting one up this year. Look at these children. They need a Christmas tree. Sister Carlson took Laura's hand. Laura, I've been trying to finish a quilt for my daughter who is having a baby, and my slow old fingers aren't getting it done very fast. Besides, I miss having children in the house. Won't you please spend the holidays with us, at least until you're settled? It would be such a nice thing f to do for two lonely people. Laura sputtered, and Jim was wide-eyed. This sweet couple had turned the situation around so that it was a favor to the Carlsons for the Mahoys to stay with them. Jim had known it would be impossible to find a room, and had secretly planned on spending another night in the car. Yet this kindly couple was giving them exactly what they needed, and then making it appear as if the Mahoys were doing them a favor. Jim and Laura exchanged one of their meaningful glances, and Laura nodded. The relief and happiness in Sister Carlson's face was genuine and almost enough to convince them that the Carlsons did consider it an honor to host them. They walked less than a city block on freshly fallen snow to the Carlson's apartment. It was on the fourth floor of a large building. Their apartment was indeed large, and the Mahoys had two bedrooms, ample beds, and a bath all to themselves. Upon waking up the next morning, they happily discovered that the Carlsons had already fixed a huge breakfast. They spent the morning putting up the tree, quilting, and baking Christmas goodies. The Carlsons were genuinely pleased to have company, and the Mahoys soon felt as comfortable as if staying with family. The Carlsons left at noon to do their job at the visitor center. They gave Jim a key to the apartment and told the Mahoys to join them in the cafeteria below the visitor center at 7 p.m. that evening. That evening, as they were eating dinner, Sam mentioned that they that he was entering the mission home January 2nd to go on a mission to South Africa. Brother and Sister Carlson stopped eating and looked at each other with widened eyes. Finally, Elder Carlson explained, Sister Carlson and I have been called to preside over the Johannesburg South African mission. We will be entering the mission home on that very same day. The news was a very unexpected surprise, and suddenly everyone was laughing, shaking hands, and talking all at once. 
A sense of divine providence settled, or providence settled over them, and they let the joy wash over them as to salve their wounds. For the Mahoys that Christmas time seemed to pass in slow motion, as if that glorious season would last forever. Every day was filled with wonders, Christmas shopping in the big new malls, visiting church historical sites, and best of all, listening to the tabernacle choir sing Handel's Messiah. It was powerful, magnificent, and deeply spiritual. Christmas morning was also delightful, with laughter and hugs and gifts for everyone. After what seemed like months, January 2nd finally came. The Carlsons arranged for the Mahoys to stay on at the apartment for another week after their departure. Jim drove the Carlsons to their destination in Provo, and the whole family fondly bid them goodbye. Later in the afternoon, they took Sam to the mission home in Provo, and after many hugs and well wishes, kissed him a tearful goodbye. Dad, Sam asked as he picked up his bag, what will you and the family do? Or go? <laughs> Where will you and the family go? Do you have any plans? Jim and Laura exchanged one of those magical glances before Jim replied, We have decided to go to Alaska. The economy is booming there. Uncle Ben lives there, as you know, and he tells me that I can find a job almost without trying. Your mother and I figured that the Lord wants to have an adventure. A feeling of peace swept over Sam. He knew now he wouldn't have to worry about his family. He could concentrate on his mission and trust God for everything else. He had learned the lesson of obedience to the voice of the Spirit, and he suddenly felt unafraid. Then north to your future and south to mine, he said triumphantly. Sam embraced his father and mother one more time, turned and strode through the big double doors of the mission home.